Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex in the City podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You're joined by Waxy Hanrahan and her chocolate obsidian, Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones. Hi, Dylan. Hi, Juno. How are you? Good. In case listeners were wondering and weren't as eagle-eared, um, those very obscure nicknames are in reference to Bunny McDougal's uh, orchid competitor. <laughs> if if people, if our listeners don't know who Waxy Hanrahan is, then stop listening we, we to this podcast. You, you're not truly a fan. You know what you <laughs> call yourself a fan. My gosh. <laughs> Oh, Dylan, this week we are travelling to Suffern, New York. Yes. Um, you know I don't like it when they leave Manhattan, but let's let's dive in anyway. Can you give us a potted synopsis? Yes. So, as as you've just said, Carrie has to go to go out into the sticks to see Aiden's cabin, cabin in the woods, um, which she's really pissed off about, but she goes anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Samantha keeps having guys ask her what she's doing at the weekend, which relatable, she hates. Relatable, relatable. <laughs> which I can actually, like, I know it was supposed to be, like, the ridiculous storyline, but I was like, I actually get, I, I get this. Like, I get it. Um, Charlotte uh, is ovulating. Mm-hmm. Um, and her and Trey visit Bunny's, I guess, country house. Or is it, but does Bunny live in Connecticut? I suspect they just have a family compound in Connecticut, yeah. Yeah, the compound, yeah, the mm-hmm. Connecticut compound. Um, and then, yeah, Miranda and Steve. Steve finds out he has testicular cancer and it kind of brings him and Miranda back together in like a really nice friendship kind of way. Indeed, um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, we have been watching season four, episode nine, um, I believe it was called Sex in the Country. Yeah, is that right? Sex, Sex in the in, Country. Sex in the Country. Um, what did what did you make of Aiden's Cabin in the Woods? I mean, I don't know. Well, f- firstly, I thought he was quite. I didn't again didn't particularly like him in this episode. Like he informed Carrie that she was going, and when she like tried to kind of make an excuse he was like no but then but you can do your work now or blah 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 and it's kind of like take the hint if your partner if you can tell your partner doesn't feel like it don't kind of like coerce them into it I think I'm going to let Aiden Shaw off the hook on this one <laughs> I am reading between the lines I don't think this is the first time he's invited Carrie to his cabin and Carrie mm. has found a bullshit excuse to get out of going okay um, yeah and I think he has slightly forced the issue because he knows, left to her own devices, Carrie is never, ever going to come and see his pride and joy. Why? Because Carrie's a bit of a dick. And actually, this this <laughs> cottage is... Cl- Although it's amazing, because Aiden seems to spend an awful lot of time with Carrie, so fuck only knows when he has done up this cabin. Presumably, somewhere between opening a bar with Steve getting back together with Carrie, running a furniture shop, he has also managed to renovate a country hut. Um, yeah. What an amazing time-turner power he must have. 
And it kind of got me wondering, it, well, it got me thinking. Um, it got me thinking um, how much, I imagine it's like, it, firstly, it got me thinking like, how much money does Aiden have? Because mm-hmm. it's interesting, that's an interesting disparity, not disparity, like difference, I guess, between him and Big. Big obviously has lots of money. We don't really know how much, I imagine like Carrie and Aiden are supposed to be kind of on a par, perhaps. With? Um, with each other. No, I think so. If Aiden owns a store in Manhattan, Actually, then yeah, he's true. not doing bad somewhere, is he? And I think I might be getting ahead of myself, but I think later when it comes to Carrie buying her apartment, Aiden mentions he already owns real estate. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, See, so he's just obviously done well for himself as a furniture designer of oppressive wood. Um, he um, He's done really well. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think what I've learned from COVID, the, one of the many things I've learned from COVID, mm. is that everyone in New York spends all their time trying to get out of New York. I think that mm. is accurate. I think a lot of New Yorkers or Brooklynites don't like spending their weekends in the city. And, you know, I'm friends with the author Tori Peters, who wrote Detransition Baby. <gasps> And she love, and her, love, love. She and her partner are at the moment building their own cabin in the woods. And I mean, it looks very natural. Plus, you know, they're always showering in waterfalls. And I'm kind oh, of like, I've seen this... on her. Um, I've seen on her Instagram, actually. And doesn't she has a pair of dungarees, not unlike Carrie, actually, I think. She does. I but think then, I... apparently this is what this is what New Yorkers do. They spend yeah. their weekends building rustic getaways. I would rather it's be- die. It's really not my think- <laughs> Yeah, me neither. Do you think it's because um, perhaps New Yorkers and New York listeners can can correct us if we're wrong? Perhaps New York is more oppressive than like other cities like London or Berlin in the summer because it's a lot more uh, con- condensed. Mm-hmm. And the heat as well. Don't forget, we rarely get heat in yeah. London like they get heat. I once, I was once in Manhattan in June and fuck me, it was hot. Yeah. And kind of where where I live, you know, in Brighton, there's always that lovely breeze coming off the sea anyway. Um, yeah. But it was a different kind of hot. It really did feel like heat was being bounced off the walls of those buildings in Manhattan. So I can understand why New Yorkers want to flee to the Hamptons or into a forest just to breathe, breathe some cooler air. Um, And it's the thing now, I mean, possibly, you know, at the time in 2002 or whenever this was, 2001, it was hilarious that you would go to a rustic cabin in the woods. But now the idea of the kind of the glamping, it's a massive industry. So Mm. I was supposed to, this is, unfortunately we were, it was put, lockdown put a patriot but last year max and i were supposed to be going away to his birthday with a company called canopy and stars and canopy and stars are quite a high-end website agency that hook you up with cabins exactly like aiden's and Mm. i swear to god three nights in a cabin like aiden's will set you back about 800 quid so as much as a week in greece or spain or i you know and I'm, i'm not exaggerating three nights in a luxury cabin in the woods is about a thousand pounds and i know this because i've tried to rebook rebook for his next birthday and i'm like fuck that shit we'll go to berlin <laughs> staying in a what? fucking shed in wiltshire for a thousand pounds you on crack what? what do you what do you think about um are you an outdoors do you like that sort of thing cabins camping what do you think dylan <laughs> As I was saying it, I was like, I know what the answer to this is. No, I just don't. I, in a world with hotels, I do not understand the appeal of camping. So, you know, this get back to nature and look up at the stars. Just look up at night. You can see them. They're just in the sky. They're in the sky above cities as well, guys. Also, um, we also like we live in. We basically we live on a rock in the North Atlantic Ocean. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why camping is so popular in a country where, like. The weather is constantly bad and the temperature drops to like sometimes below freezing at night. I it I I don't get it. <laughs> I just, it baffled, including rich people. Some of yeah. my friends who have actual money opt to sleep in fabric huts rather yeah. than go to a pleasing bed and breakfast. Now, don't get me wrong, 
I love a pleasing bed and breakfast in the countryside. The Lake District is absolutely my go-to. I love it there. I feel very tranquil when I'm in the Lake District. But I don't want to stay in a fucking pillowcase, which is essentially what a tent is, a waxy sheet. You know, it's just not, it's not a thing. Um, so, do you scream? So no. Do you do ear-splitting screams when you see squirrels? No, I do not do. I, I think squirrels are vermin. I think Carrie's quite right there. I think they are fancy rats. I'm, I'm with her on that one. <laughs> But no, I wouldn't shriek. That scream, them. like, I've always remembered that scream because it's just so much. Like, it's so, it's such a scream. Carrie, um. Carrie is so much this whole episode. She, she's, <laughs> yeah. she, again, we're, we're, this is why I don't like these two episodes. I think, because they're a little, a little double bill, um, they almost teeter into a slightly different sitcom. Um, mm. with falling over and sliding around in mud and quite crudely drawn characters like the farmer, although we'll get to him in a minute. Um, yeah, I thought that was very, that montage where she's, I thought SJP was great in the scene, yeah. but the montage where like she's picking up the piece of wood and keeps falling over, I was like, I feel like I'm watching a different show. Mm, like totally. this is not, this is not, and it wasn't just because they were in a different setting. I was like, this is not how they... No, like this isn't isn't how Sex and the City does things. This is weird. So I mean, in the in the grand scheme of you know, Juno, she's a, she's a storyteller, and they, this would you'd file this under it's a fisher of water story. So we've taken Carrie, the city fish, and we're putting her in a new environ yeah. to see how she sinks or swims. We did this last season where we took her to LA as well at the yeah. same time, um, to see what she will do in a different scenario and we give her different background music and she clearly like like harry always does she plays the part in that she changes her hair and she wears her little dungarees and she tries to adapt but fa- but not fails but just doesn't i mean it's very clear that like Ooh, she... she gets right on my tits more than anything she, she presses <laughs> down on my very last nerve but carry on it's very clear that she is just meant to be in new york and yeah. i think that every so often they like to remind the viewers of that that new york is like not just the ox- oxygen for Carrie, but is oxygen for the show. Um, yeah, which is why it's so perplexing they chose to do a whole film in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. That, which, is, that to me, is the big mystery of that car crash of a second film. Yeah. But um, Carrie bugs me more than anything in this one. The, <laughs> the question she posits is, when does the art of compromise become compromising? Mm. You see, I'm with you right from day one, which is, Actually, if once again, if Carrie used her words and said, Aidan, I really love how enthusiastic you are for your cabin. And of course, I'll come up and see it. But, you know, it's not properly plumbed in. And for the first time this time, I clocked a fucking portaloo outside as well. So I'm Mm. not convinced there's even a flushing toilet. Um, So it's not suitable for me to say that. And you know I will hate it. And why do you want me you know I'm not going to enjoy it, so why do you want to put me through it, kind of? So I wish she'd kind of communicated that. Because if Max said to me, shall we go camping, I would say no. (laughs) Because the compromise is the Airbnb. That's the compromise. Yes, we'll do the thing you want to do, which is go away for a break or go to the countryside. But we need to do it on my terms as well as your terms. Mm. And it feels like, yeah, this was all on Aidan's terms. Although, of course, Carrie should express interest in this thing that obviously Aiden is really really proud of but what especially bugged me was her being so fucking useless you know in mm. a world where Tori Peters and her partner are building a house in the woods two women constructing a house why, why do we need to see a woman incapable of lifting a plank of wood yeah you know it's it really are we saying is this is this what we want to say with this episode that a woman can't lift a piece of wood. And like has a breakdown when she sees a squirrel. Exactly. It really boiled my piss. And it's episodes like this where you can really come at it from a feminist point of view. Yeah. And say that actually this show wasn't doing anybody any favours. And the fact that, yeah, both she and Samantha go to the middle of the countryside in heels. Yeah. Like, and it really? Kind of, I guess you could say it kind of glamorises being helpless Mm. and yeah like it kind of it makes it very kind of like oh like we should just live in the city and do fabulous things and we don't need to know about any of that silly practical stuff 
which is possibly the first taste of the disgusting materialism that Sex and the City ended up in mm-hmm. in the second film. Like, um, yeah, I hadn't thought of that actually until you just said it. It did, yeah. It, that was particularly on this one, and maybe, maybe you know, it's you know, like, um, I've got, I've got a couple of friends in in Brighton who are women who are carpenters, and so it's just something about seeing Carrie flail mm. on some you know. You know she couldn't, you know, baking even even baking a pie, you know, a very gendered activity. So maybe there's something to it actually. She she's she's quite bad at all kinds of activities in this episode. Yeah, yeah true actually. But it would it would have just been cool, you know, to see one of them be capable. You know, even if even if Carrie was helpless, it would it have been better to, for Sam to just sit down at that cow and be like, well, of course Sam knows how to milk a cow. You know, that would have been more surprising and more interesting. Kind of. Yeah, or it had tur- and it had turned out that she had grown up on a farm because we don't exactly, know anything yeah. about her background. Or what would have been even better, possibly, is if the show had been brave enough to make Sam properly bisexual or pansexual and she had slept with a hot female farmer who was working down the road. That would have been great as well. Oh yeah, sadly no. But remember that that's, that chapter is closed now. There will never yes. be another woman for Samantha. Um, so yeah, so it, so it did, but it did bug me in terms of the art of compromise becoming compromising. Um, I mean, I guess what she's asking is: is there a point where actually you can veto that rule? Um, yeah. I guess are there boundaries? You know, is is there a place where you have to say no? Um, well, what it's hard. Think? It's it's hard to answer because it's it's an individual thing, isn't it? It depends on your own limitations or open mindedness or whatever. Like everyone has their own point where like it's too much compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean that's a bit of a cop out answer, but like you know what I mean. Yeah, because it's it's really really tricky because it, it's sometimes it's hard to know because. Max and I, again, speaking just for the two of us, we're not constantly trying to score points and saying, well, I did this, so you need to do this. Sometimes that comes up a little bit, you know, like there was um, landing Max in trouble. Um, A couple of weeks ago, he got home late from a night out and I'd have the car for work that day. And, and he did summon the fact he's picked me up at Worthing train station more times than I can count in the middle of the night and even though I was kind (laughs) of sick I was full of cold I was kind of sick and it was really late and I'd sort of already gone to bed if I'm honest he did say are you honestly saying you're not going to come and pick me up after all the times I've picked you up and Uh... I was like for fuck's sake (laughs) and of course I went I literally went to pick him up in my pajamas I was like sat outside Worthing station in my pajamas you know, because compromise. Yes, yeah. he's picked me up. He's picked me up a lot more times than I've picked him up. Um, and so, you know, I'm not keeping a tally of who what com- who has compromised more. But um, I think compromise can become compromising if it's one partner doing all the compromising every time. Um, and I also think you just have to know your limits. And I think you as an individual know your limits. And then I think what's really encouraging in a relationship is when your partner knows your limits without even having to ask. Yeah. Max, and I say this really confidently, he's never going to ask me to go camping because I've made my (laughs) feelings on it quite clear. And also he knows me and he knows there's really valid reasons for me not being able to camp. And that's because of my IBS problem. I need to be near a toilet all the time. You know, I have to for my health. So it's kind of... You know, and Max knows that. And so he isn't going to attempt to take me somewhere that doesn't have plumbing, you know. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so it's it's things like that and that those kind of hallmarks of a good relationship. And maybe that's what this episode is. Maybe it's part of a bigger story, which is how well suited are Aiden and Carrie. You know, mm. he's he's a little country mouse and she's a city rat, as, as is pointed out at the end. He's a squirrel. Um, I love that he leaves his nuts out for the squirrel to try and entice yeah. woodland creatures like some sort of tall, handsome Snow White. Um, um, you would have thought that uh, Chris would be, in this situation, that Chris would be the Aiden and I'd be the Carrie, but actually it's the other way around because 
Chris grew up in London and I grew up in Devon. So Chris hates the countryside. Well, doesn't hate it. He really likes the countryside, but is very his knowledge of the countryside is very limited. I remember he once famously referred to a seagull as a type. Of, he said, "He said, oh, isn't a seagull a type of flying duck?" <laughs> and well... there's, just, there's just so much that's wrong about that sentence. Like, firstly, ducks can fly. So, <laughs> um... some sort of flying duck. Um, <laughs> God, there's a lot to unpack with that, isn't there? Um, yeah. I, was, I was surprised a few weeks back when you went on your little Scottish vacay. And yeah. you looked you looked very at one with your wood chopping. I was like, Ooh. Yeah. I grew up in um yeah, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Suffern Suffern Devon. Suffern um, Devon. Wow, yeah. who knew? You're yeah. right. I would have you see, gosh, there. I would have assumed Chris might be more at home in nature, but so there you are. But having said that, I've lived in the city for a long time now and I do enjoy being in the country, but after a week, I just get desperate for like 4G and racial diversity. And, like, <laughs> yes, just... <laughs> well, yes. Um, I'm just like, please get me back to London Ooh. immediately. I learned in Scotland actually that Samantha, that you actually shouldn't drink milk directly from a cow. Of course like, not. My God, Louis be... Pasteur has something to say about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so during the ad break, please go get yourself some pasteurized milk. Um, if you're one of the three remaining people in my life who drink dairy milk, and the rest <laughs> yeah, of us, was... we, we can all have some sort of oat milk alternative. Um, I was going to say, what's dairy milk? What, what is what is, is it? Made a chocolate from a bar? cow? What the <laughs> fuck? Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the politics of dairy farming after these short commercials. See you in a sec. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back. So I got you thinking, we're discussing season four, episode nine, Sex and the Country. Um, shall we talk about Miranda and Steve? Because I thought this this plot was rather lovely, actually. Yeah. Um, and the scene, the scene in the park where Miranda makes him cry is yeah. really good. What an amazingly well acted scene. Yeah. Um, Steve is brilliant, Miranda's brilliant, and she has a pine. She does. I mean, as always, both both brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like the writers never struggle with their scenes as well. Um, sometimes you can see the writers scratching their heads a bit, but never in Miranda and Steve's 
scenes. And I guess that's a sign of it being like a good, you know, the actors having good chemistry and it being a good storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was I was not mad at Miranda. No, not I think at all. he he needed it. So she gave him a stern talking to because he wasn't didn't seem particularly to have acknowledged exactly how bad testicular cancer how serious testicular cancer could be and was kind of yeah yeah, and was kind of being a bit blase about it i did i also love the preceding scene as well where miranda assumes steve wants to talk to her to get back together she's like now that jessica's gone (laughs) he thinks we can just get back together and then aiden's like Steve has testicular cancer. Like, I'm a huge fucking bitch. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Um, so, no, it was, it was rather lovely. Um, and, yes, she... I don't, know what it, I don't know what it's got to do with compromise or being compromised, but, um, mm. but yes, it was... Again, clearly it was always part of the plan that this season, um, Steve and Miranda would get back together. I wonder at what point... I was just thinking, I can't remember. I think it is, is it even this season? So yeah, so her pregnancy was written into the show, I think because she was pregnant. Mm. But then it's... So I wonder, we need to start, maybe we'll start watching Cynthia Nixon to see if if she's always carrying around an enormous bag of shopping. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I'm fairly certain that her pregnancy was written in. So spoilers, kids, this is about to get pregnant. Um, Or if she suddenly starts wearing sort of very loose-fitting clothes. Yeah, sort of Monica <laughs> in season 10 of Friends, which yeah. is like clearly pregnant. Yeah. So we'll have to keep an eye on, on Miranda's waist. But um, it was it was always clearly part of the plan that Steve and Miranda would at least sleep together and make, make a baby this season. So it was, always, it was always there, you know, from bringing Scout and having them go to Steve's bar and just the whole, the whole plot has been set up to get them back together and thank goodness was it you who was telling me that they'd auditioned david eisenberg for dozens of different roles and then kind of created the role of steve for him no that wasn't me that's a I good bit where of I saw trivia, that. maybe though. i saw that on youtube or something but yes some, i was watching it somewhere on the internet that was saying um that the casting people at sex and the city had met him for various other parts Interesting. And then kind of created the role of Steve for him. They felt he suited a bartender. And so they, mm. sort, of, they sort of concocted a little special Steve, especially for him. Mm. And yeah, his little face. His little face when Miranda yells at him. It's a big oh. fucking deal, Steve. <laughs> and then she's there for him at the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll Cute. keep an we'll keep an eye on them next week. When, when next week we're going to explore Steve's testicles, yes. in in more detail. <laughs> um, let's move on to Trey and Charlotte with <laughs> um, Waxy Hanrahan's chocolate obsidian. Um, so again, so bunny's yeah. back. Bunny's back. Bunny's back. Bunny. Whenever her name gets mentioned, like at the start of the episode, I'm like, yes, she's back again. Mm-hmm. And her ridiculous line this week that we've kind of already referenced was. Waxy Hanrahan's chocolate obsidians will be no match for my rising suns. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed with the lives of rich people. If you've read any of my novels, Clean Meat Market and Wonderland, you will know that How the Other Half Live is a constant source of inspiration. Oh, me too. That's probably why we loved um, White Lotus so much. Yeah, because well. it's. I come from a working class family in Bradford. And then, you know, I moved to London in my sort of early 30s and I lived in Battersea which is I always think Battersea is the gateway between rich and poor mm, I think yeah the part the, the most run down or poor the poor because there are no poor parts of London spoiler yeah. the less gentrified parts of London are often the sort of the transitional areas near train stations so That's I lived true. I lived right near Clapham Junction I moved there the week after the riots 10 years ago in 2011 and obviously Clapham Junction was one of the areas that experienced rioting. You know, my mum yeah. was my mum was very fretful of me moving to Clapham. But then of course Battersea Park is very well to do, the area around Battersea Park, where so Adele has a property. Um yeah. among others, among lots of other famous people. And although Batter- ba- the all of Battersea used to be a slum, but it's now very, very stunning. And then yeah. of course you just 
scurry across the Albert Bridge and look at that, you're in Chelsea. And so, yeah. you know, I would, sometimes I would get the 345 or I would walk over to Chelsea and you're in this other world, you know, Chelsea and Fulham, where there are these people, you know, with nannies. You see these like little children dressed like Lord Fauntleroy with like <laughs> these, these nannies who are like French or Thai or Vietnamese and, you know, kind of like, just different a yeah. different world and a world I'd never experienced and I think I'd seen it on television but you know these cars Lamborghinis just driving past you and just oh yeah made in Chelsea stuff and I think made in Chelsea is the tip of an iceberg kind of I just think that's why I'm obsessed with Bunny and Trey I love the yeah. idea of old money you know people who've never thought about wealth because they've always had it you know money yeah. is just not a consideration and even if they're even if they are cash poor they've got so much money tied up in real estate from mm. hundreds of years ago they're never truly going to be poor because they could just sell one of their houses they're never gonna they they never have known and never will know the feeling of having your card declined because you've got no money in your account and not because like you've got no money in your account and you have to dip into your savings because you've got no money. Like, that's it. You had 40 quid and you have to wait until next month to get paid again. Mm-hmm. You've got to make that 40 quid last until next month. <laughs> um, and the certain of this is, you know, the, the, you know, the changing way in that we think about poverty. You know, I, I, I've never been poorer than when I was a young primary school teacher. Mm. You know, I was, I was living in Brighton, which is one of the most expensive cities in the world. Yeah. And technically I was a... I had literally a postgraduate qualification in teaching and I was a public sector worker. I was earning by, by anyone's standards, I was earning decent money, but where I was living, I was priced out. I essentially, a public sector worker couldn't afford to live in the part of the world where I was living. Yeah. Um, and my rent was nothing, you know, yeah. but it was still swallowed up, you know, yeah. just, and I, at that time, I really, I swear on Versace, I wasn't living, <laughs> I wasn't living lavishly, you know, it was, but it was, I was, it was that thing, which is, you know, the last week of the month was a real struggle. You know, I didn't have mm. any money. Mm. And, and I think this is why we've got to in the, in the United Kingdom or, or I guess in the USA as well, is kind of evolve our idea of what poverty looks like. Because it doesn't look like the way it did in the Victorian era, where it was like little ragcloth children scurrying in the slums, kind mm. of. Because while that kind of poverty does still exist in the United Kingdom, um, often sometimes poverty can be hidden as well, you know, and it's young working people who just can't afford to live in our country anymore because the cost of living has become so extraordinary. Yeah. Gosh, that was a little. <laughs> a, a, a little political cul-de-sac so back to back to bunny's orchids well tax the rich that's what we should be doing we should we should eat bunny mcdougall's chocolate obsidian like, that's what we should do tax the rich but don't write that on a dress and wear it to the met gala, met gala. that's yeah that <laughs> we've moved on dylan we're not recording it live this is <laughs> that that would have been a zinger two weeks ago two, yeah um at the time of recording this is the day that off. is some Spicy, spicy conversation. Two days after the Met Gala, we're recording <laughs> yeah. this. Um, yeah, right dress, wrong place. Right sentiment, wrong oh. dress. And so many comments. I've seen every take, every take about her dress. I've seen, I've seen it. When I first saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, fab!" And then two seconds later, my brain was like, "Hang on a minute, hang where? Um, I don't know. Uh, hang on a minute." <laughs> Do you know what I think? Um. I've always felt this about slug and t-shirts as well, which is there should be a you shouldn't need to spell it out on a t-shirt. Yes. Like I always, yes. I always think if you're having to spell it out on a t-shirt, I think something's gone a bit wrong. And of course, there the was the now legendary "We Should All Be Feminists" Dior t-shirt designed by Karl Lagerfeld, a man mm. who notably despised women. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. Just fuck it. Just fuck it. Um, that's a conversation for another time. But um, yeah. um, Charlotte wants a baby still. Yes, we're still talking about Trey and Charlotte. Yeah. And their desire to start a family. It's tricky. And I'm not going to sort of 
downplay fertility because it's a real thing. Just this morning, I went for a coffee with one of my friends. She's 35 years old. I'm not going to say who it is, but you know, she's 35 years old. And yeah, she was like, you know, we do want kids. It's mm. that time. We, we can't wait anymore. And, you know, the longer we leave it, the harder it gets. And already she's having to start thinking about the things she can and can't eat in order to maximise her chances of conceiving. Wow. And yeah, that, that's where Charlotte and Trey are as well. You know, they're, they're tracing her ovulation and trying to best increase their chances. And it's a big deal. You know, we've talked about this a number of times. Yeah. You know, if you want kids and it doesn't happen right away, it just increases. You know, the, and I've seen this with lots of my cis female friends, you know, the longer it takes to get pregnant or the longer it takes to carry a child for nine months, because a a lot of my friends in their 30s have gone through miscarriages in the last few years, Mm. which I think is something we need to talk about because I think, I think all of those women felt quite isolated and Mm. it's so common it, it happens too often for us not to be talking about it a lot because I think all of those women have felt like, am I doing something wrong? You yeah. know, sort of, you know, what, what, what could we have done differently? You know, when, when actually it's not that, which is actually one in five pregnancies ends in miscarriage. It happens wow, all I didn't know. the time. All I the time. It was, yeah. It's, isn't it telling as well though, that I didn't, know that i mean yes i'm a man but i have Mm. several female friends all of whom i have open all of whom are really open and and i have lots of conversations about this sort of thing with but still i never hear any conversations about miscarriages yeah so that one in five it's it's a tricky one looking now on the internet the, the nhs officially says it's one in eight but other sources say it's as much as one in four so clearly mm. there isn't a global consensus and this is pregnancies um, which is makes it a slightly different statistic because obviously some of these would be very very early stage before necessarily the the parent even knew they were with child. Yeah. Um, should say if I've just referred to women and mothers, obviously trans men and some non-binary people can get pregnant as well. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. But yeah. So w- what I'm saying is that miscarriage is enormously common and so as much as the Trey and Charlotte stuff feels like it's dragging on a bit and and their fertility stuff lasts for much of the season it's very real maybe the frustrating thing about Trey and Charlotte is that perhaps this whole plot line because it is somewhat played for laughs perhaps Mm. doesn't quite reflect the heartache of fertility. Now it will later. Actually, remember, of course, in season six, again, this is getting way ahead of ourselves. Charlotte miscarries, and we yeah. will we will revisit this conversation in a year when we get to that episode. But um, that episode really, I think, touches the emotional nerve way better than anything in season four. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure quite how successfully the Charlotte and Trey storyline examines the heartache of fertility treatment Mm. which is I've seen so many of my friends go through it now um it's really tough and it's a feminist issue because you know 40 years ago when women weren't encouraged towards careers in the way they that they are now women statistically would have had children younger Mm. this actually is a bit of a you're wrong about this is a bit of a debunking which is actually there wasn't like in the sort of the 50s 60s and 70s women weren't all having children when they were 21 and actually it's not as dramatic as as you think but statistically women are now a little bit older when they start having um, children again i've just said women when i really mean people who can get pregnant um are having babies a, t- a little bit older um yeah. because again it's when when are people meant to do it you know if you have left university when you're 21 you've spent an absolute fucking fortune on putting yourself through college with the goal of getting a great career 
you know yeah. so then obviously you want to invest a few years in your career you know you've got to meet someone you, you know whether yeah. or not whether or not you know whether or not you get married is neither here nor there you know yeah. by and large you want to get to know the person you're going to have babies with <laughs> and so before you know it you are looking at 30 because when else are you meant to do these things and we do know that as you get older your fertility decreases and so but it's just what what does this world want of women yeah you know does it well, want I, you to have a career does it want you to have children you know it's it's really it's it just sometimes feels like the patriarchy is lose-lose is what yeah. i'm saying yeah i mean i also like quite apart from the biological clock thing in terms of being in a good mental space to look after a, a child I I know that I was a complete mess a, a complete mess for most of my twenties as mm -hmm. well. So I mean, yeah, it's about that as well, I guess. Like, it's I I can't think of when of how you would even begin to decide when would be a good time to have a child. Not even accounting for all the pressures that society puts on you as well. And that's a pressure in itself. Because I mean, mm. if we say then that there is like this dream dream window where you would start a family, which is mm. the glorious moment between getting your shit together and being too old to physically reproduce yeah i mean that window is basically a skylight you know it's so small yeah. you know because like, i'm fully with you you know i got prince my child substitute when i was 32 <laughs> uh-huh because at that point i felt ready to take on a big life-changing responsibility yeah but i can honestly say there was not a moment before that where i would have been ready so i yeah. sort of got prince at the first time i felt and also like that slightly like my life was lacking responsibility it felt uh -huh. weird to me that my life was a bit peter pan-esque like <laughs> it was almost like kind of like you know it's i just intrinsically felt it was time to grow up and i was 32 and so, yeah, by, by that point, if I was a cisgender woman, lo and mm. behold, that was about the time that I would have wanted to start thinking about mm. having a biological child as well. So I wish slightly that the Charlotte and Trey storyline examined some of these issues, but, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it. It's also hilarious to watch them shagging on top of Bunny's orchids. <laughs> sacrilege ruining her prize orchid orchid i felt bad for bunny actually the bath the bathtub <laughs> scene was quite creepy the fact she she was oh not my watching God. me bathe well she was trey i belly laughed when charlotte walked in and bunny was like i was just saying how you remind me so much of myself at your age just with her fag in her hand like <laughs> just looking at her completely nonplussed um i was gonna say so just going back to kerry the there's some very strange timing in this episode because she mm. goes and has dinner with Big in the middle of it and then yes. is back in and then is back in the country the next morning and I was like how did she go to a steakhouse and what did she say to Aiden was she like oh I'm just gonna go and have steak with my ex who I cheated on you with mm. and then I'll be yes. back like it was very strange and well, very maybe sudden we will yeah, we might get some of the answers next week when it's very much Big versus Aiden. They have their celebrity death match, yeah. Big goes to visit, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Also, Carrie's skirt. Carrie's green skirt. I think that's a Vivian Westwood, I think. I seem to with, remember reading it with the ruffle. With, like, the the tuft. I wondered if that was supposed to be, like, a squirrel. Probably, yes, because Patricia Field <laughs> is really smart. So, yeah, she probably is being a glamour squirrel. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Aiden does say it's 40 minutes by train. So clearly it's... Oh, okay, yeah. And actually, I went... So I once did a tour around the area and I did a bookshop in Connecticut. And actually, it's about a 45-minute drive outside. I think mm. Manhattan's got this thing where... You know, leaving Manhattan is a really big deal. But actually, you know, it is a 10-minute drive from Manhattan to New Jersey. You're in Hoboken oh, wow. within 10 minutes. And in the other direction, it's 10 minutes to Brooklyn. Later on, <laughs> Miranda's drama at moving to Brooklyn is ridiculous. I mean, oh yes, my God. Brooklyn when is you... gentrified, but... 
New Yorkers must be an absolute shock when they come to London because London yeah. can be like some of my friends who still live in Zone Two in London, like I do, are fucking like seventy minutes away because <laughs> it's the other side of the city. Oh my gosh, it's um, such yeah, London, London is huge, so much huger than yeah, and just the nice thing about Manhattan as well, it's very well organized into nice. It's like a ladder. It's very easy to yeah. use. This is Manhattan. Um, let's discuss um, Samantha and the farmer um, briefly. Yeah. I'm not sure what there is to say other than, <laughs> I mean, that is a real thing. Do you know that was a real thing in London? I think maybe it's a thing about living in a big city because London is a funny one on a weekend because especially if you live anywhere near the city, so I'm very intrigued by places like Canary Wharf and Canada Water. Oh, yeah. Because they become like ghost towns on a weekend. Yeah, they've been ghost towns since the start of the Ooh. pandemic, obviously. Serves them right. Yeah, that's what that's yeah. what capitalism <laughs> gets you. Um, in Brighton. Uh, in Brighton, weekends are very chill, you know. And so I, so I lived in Brighton and it was very, very chill. And on a weekend, we would kind of just see each other and maybe get a drink and... Maybe go chill on the beach. But if, if it's nice weather, where are you going to be at the weekend? Oh, I'll be on the beach. Yeah. Whereas then when I moved to London, I'd be like, what are we doing at the weekend? And like my friends would get diaries out. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. My next free Saturday is in like the next four weeks. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, why? It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to Columbia Flower Market. And then the weekend <laughs> after that, we're doing this. There's like a, there's a thing on at the V&A. And I'm like, <laughs> that's very as I'm sure you can guess that's very me as well like I think I've got three things happening this weekend do you know um, what literally nothing not <laughs> a thing my weekend is complete I had a really busy weekend last weekend so I kind of feel like I didn't have a weekend so yeah, yeah I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch a load of old shit on Netflix can't wait oh great yeah great it's really wicked um did you fancy the farmer um I mean, I wouldn't say no, but he wouldn't also wouldn't be my first, um, my first cattle out of the cow shed. I was trying to think of like a farming metaphor. <laughs> my first, for like my first pause of call, my first cattle out of the cow shed. I don't know. Mm. Um, it was all a bit daft for me. The dungarees, the yeah, hay in his mouth. I'm like, it was cartoonish. What? Yeah, young um, MacDonald. I'm not sure how I feel about milking a cow being sexualized as well <laughs> well because it's you know it's it was dairy farming in particular was one of the things that tipped me into sort of vegetarianism because it, it's strange to me that we can get squeamish about killing animals but all right with kind of repeatedly raping cows taking their babies away and then drinking their breast milk um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, what it is, you're guys. Right. It's literally what it is. Um, the right. breast milk of raped lady cows. Um, oh my god! So yeah, there's, there's not there's not a lot else I can say. That. <laughs> However, I mean, young McDonald, his enterprise looks quite organic. I will say that it doesn't look like the mass farming, you know. And, True. And that was kind of that was when I gave up meat when I realised we don't farm it in nice ways you know yeah there is there is no way of farming that isn't desperately unpleasant for the animals involved yeah and i was like what are you doing stop stop supporting this it's just nice no and did you know i fucking love meat i can't even <laughs> like i'm not one of those people i just never really liked the texture i fucking loved the texture but it, i just <laughs> couldn't morally square it anymore which is mm. that was why in the end i stopped um but um I, you know, young McDonald seems to have a slightly kind of little, a little organisation. And so, yeah, Samantha, Samantha milking him. And I can't be mad at the line. Is there anything else around here that needs milking? Because <laughs> I mean, haven't I we all said that? I mean, haven't we all been in that situation where you milked it. a cow and then offered to perform <laughs> the function on a human male? Yeah, of course. If you haven't mm -hmm. been in that situation, you haven't lived. Exactly. Um, I I just enjoyed it just because it was so Samantha and she just goes, E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> <laughs> just so stupid. I mean, it was nice. It was very supportive of Samantha to travel to suffer and with Carrie as well. That was very, yeah. very supportive of her. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have done that. Do you want to go camping? No, no, no. I don't want to do it. <laughs> um, 
And on that, I think we've established one thing really clearly, which is you will never catch me in a tent. And if you see a picture of me in a tent, it's because I've been kidnapped and it's a desperate cry for help. So that would be my message to listeners, which is if you ever, ever see me in a tent, please call the police immediately. Or it's the or it's the VIP lounge at Mighty Hoopla. <laughs> oh, that's different. Yeah, if I'm in a, if I'm in if I'm in a hospitality tent or possibly a marquee, I'm yeah. all right. I'm okay. That's yeah. Don't don't call the emergency services. <laughs> Until next time, when we will be watching Bells of the Ball, where we will oh, be joined yes. by our special guest Jake McGrath. Um, um, do follow us on social media at SIGTT Podcast and be sure to like and subscribe. Um, until next time, take care. Bye bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.